Hello and welcome to the Sacred City Life podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. This podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus and the everyday rhythms of life. And the Theology for Everyone segment on this podcast is to help you grow in your theological understanding of the Word of God. We want you to have a full range of understanding of the scriptures. And the, one of the best ways to do that, obviously, just continually reading through the scriptures. Mm-hmm. But I doubt very many of you get through all of the scriptures more than once a year. And so, you know, if you're only reading Leviticus once, you're only reading Judges once, you're only reading Corinthians once, it's hard to kind of under, pull that all together and say, what does the Bible actually teach mm-hmm. about any one topic? So the best way to do that, to study it kind of topically is to look at what's called a systematic theology. Or you could look at a confession. And a confession, the Westminster Confession of Faith that we're studying right now, is one of the earliest systematic theologies that um, Orthodox Church followers went before us and put this together, some brilliant, brilliant men. Um, and we have even been talking about once, we're, once we finish with this um, Westminster, we're probably going to roll this podcast off onto its own thing called Theology for Everyone, and then we're going to go through another confession. Uh, more than likely the 1689 London Baptist Confession, um, just to see and just to keep growing in our theology, keep understanding the scriptures better and better and better, because our theology comes out in all of our life. We we don't recognize that, but we really live our theology. We practice, you know, a practical theology. What we believe about God determines how we parent. What we believe about God determines how we approach our work. What we believe about God and scriptures informs how we vote and our ideas and you know ideas when it comes to different things in society. So our theology matters and we want all of our people whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you're a working mom, whether you're in working construction out on the construction site or if you're just driving in your car, we want all of our people to grow in their theology, grow in their understanding of the word of God. So that's why we're doing this theology for everyone segment. And on the podcast today, gentlemen, the band is back in town. Gentlemen, <laughs> can you let yourself be known? Yeah, this is Rob Spikestra, uh, Pastor Discipleship. How's it going, guys? I'm Alex Tate. I'm the Sacred City Youth Director. And Kevin Kinor, Pastoral Assistant. Okay. Now, we are in Chapter 21 of Religious Worship and the Sabbath Day. So this is telling us, uh, remember, we started with kind of what, what's called the regulative principle that the Word of God should determine how we worship God. Uh, that we don't just get to make it up on our own, but God reveals himself in the word of God, reveals how he wants to be worshiped in the word of God. He gives us a Sabbath. Obviously, that's one of the Ten Commandments. And then it's the Sabbath, which is a Saturday, gets turned into the Lord's Day in the New Testament. We're going to get to that in a little bit. Um, but we, we've been talking about what are we supposed to do on the Lord's Day. When we come together, what are we supposed to do? We First thing we saw, we were, we were supposed to pray. And we went through prayer the past couple articles. And now... We're in Articles 5 and 6. We're going to try to get to through 2 today. And they're going to go through other aspects of, you could say, the order of service. You could mm-hmm. say the liturgy that should be present when we come together and worship God mm-hmm. and should be present anytime we're going to worship God rightly. Yeah. Okay? So that's where we're going today. So, Kevin, would you, you want to read that for us? You know it. The reading of the scriptures with godly fear the sound preaching and conscionable hearing of the word in obedience unto God with understanding, faith, and reverence, singing of psalms with grace in the heart, as also the due administration and worthy receiving of the sacraments instituted by Christ, 
are all parts of the ordinary religious worship of God. Beside religious oaths, vows, solemn fastings, and thanksgivings upon special occasions, which are, in their several times and seasons, to be used in a holy and religious manner. Okay, here we go. We see kind of the Westminster Divine separate things into, into two categories. One, the ordinary religious worship of God. Mm. And secondly, second, uh, the special occasions. So there's there's what's going to be normal, and then there's there's going to be special occasions, okay? Under, under that... Um, ordinary religious worship category. He talks about, and we're, I want to get, I'm going to read this and then we're, we're going to show you how these are scriptural. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then we're getting this from scripture. The reading of scripture with godly fear. We got a text for that. Revelations 1, 3. Blessed the one who reads out loud the words of the prophecies and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it. For the time is near. All right. And there's other places in the New Testament that say, when you come together, read the scriptures out loud, mm-hmm. like the public reading of scripture. Yeah. Now, it says, with godly fear. This is one of the reasons why we make it a point to have our readers practice the, the reading, and we say, please rise for the reading of God's word. We want to set aside, we want to make this a solemn event. We want people to recognize something unique is happening. Mm-hmm. This isn't casual. We want to treat it with respect. We want to treat it with godly fear. Um, and so we rise, and then we the, the scripture is read. I don't just do it up on pulpit, from the pulpit. Now, that, it's totally fine. You could do that. But we want to have a reader just to kind of set it aside yeah. so that people know this is something important. This isn't a preacher talking. This isn't words of man. This is the words of God. Mm-hmm. So the reading of scriptures with godly fear. So when we come together, any, no, no, any time... We're to worship God rightly. Mm-hmm. We should read the scriptures. Okay, so in our in our personal devotion, in our missional communities, whatever, uh, we should we should do this now. So, but more, but especially when we come together on Sunday morning, the sound preaching. We have a text for that. Second Timothy four two, Paul writes: Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Okay, so when we come together, specifically on Sunday morning, the word of God should be preached, should be declared uh, in a sound. And this is interesting. They only use one word here, sound. (laughs) Sound. Doesn't say passionate, Mm -hmm. doesn't say entertaining, Mm -hmm. doesn't say emotional, doesn't say, you know, know, it it just says sound preaching. And that word sound means according to the word of God. Like it, it's so, it's substantive. It's got roots in the word of God. It's yeah. biblically orthodox, mm-hmm. right? But this is, we often miss the second side of this. So with the reading of scriptures, sound, we would say biblically sound preaching and conscionable hearing of the word. Rob, what do you think when you hear that? Conscionable hearing. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm glad you picked up on that because I, I noticed that as well. And I can think I've ran over this before and I've forgotten it. There's really a two, it's a two-way street when we're talking about preaching. And that is that, yeah, there's someone who is preaching, but then we have a duty, responsibility as we're listening to be really uh, taking it in in such a way that we're asking God to convict our lives, I mean, our hearts. Mm-hmm. It's our conscience. We want our conscience to be convicted of anything that we need to do as a result of hearing the, the preaching of God's word. So there's a real responsibility as we when we gather together that's where we're we're involved yeah so preaching is not just a one-way street right preaching is not just i'm up there preaching or an elder's up there preaching 
there, we have to have a proper um, posture as we're listening to the word of God. And you know, the Bible talks about having a seared conscience. Mm -hmm. The Bible talks about having a hard heart. If you have a seared conscience and a hard heart, you can be sitting in the seats and, and the word of God is going out, but it's bouncing off you like a ping pong ball bounces off a statue. Mm -hmm. And that might not be the preacher's fault. That might be your responsibility, yeah. that you didn't do the work to prepare your heart to properly listen mm. to the word of God, mm -hmm. right? And so it is, it's a two-way street. Now we do these things, reading scripture with godly fear, sound preaching, conscionable hearing of the word in obedience unto God with understanding. So we need to preach in known languages. Mm -hmm. We need to preach in a way that people can understand. Yeah. Faith, so it takes faith to understand. It takes faith to hear, faith to believe and reverence. So our preaching and our listening must be done reverently. Do we have a text for that? Two of them. Tate. Isaiah 66, 2. All these things my hand has made, and so all these things come to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Contrite in spirit and trembles wow. at my word. That should be our posture. Wow, that's yeah. interesting, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, a heart that's willing to, ready to be received. I, I look contrite, you know, ready to... Yeah to be, be told what's true and wrong in our own lives. That's, mm -hmm. that's pretty amazing. So somebody say, like, what's that look like for the unbeliever that's, that's there? Um, of course, they don't have faith in that moment mm -hmm. when they're hearing the word of God. So what does that look like for them? That's a great question. Yeah. So, and that's up to the spirit of God in them because the spirit of God would have to mm -hmm. humble them in that moment. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that, he can do that through life circumstances. He can do that through many different ways, yeah. but they are unable to do that of themselves. They're unable to make their heart contrite, right? And their spirit contrite and to receive the word of God with meekness. They, they, yeah. they can't because mm -hmm. they have an unconverted heart. So that requires the spirit of God to do that work before, mm -hmm. yeah. right? Which is part of reason why we study doctrine. Like that's, that's what reformed believe, uh, you know, believers believe is that, well, I would say, you know, all biblically Orthodox believers should believe this, but <laughs> that it takes the spirit to do this work in us yeah. while we are dead in our trespasses and sins. Yeah, it makes me think of the conversation that Jesus had with the woman at the well and trying to get, get her down to understanding that true worshipers are those who worship in truth and in spirit. She mm -hmm. kept on putting it in location. In other mm -hmm. words, very similar to what some people can do is, hey, I went to church, so I, you know, I'm, I must be a follower of God or I must be a worshiper of God, but that's not the issue. The issue is mm -hmm. our spirit and truth. So is it in truth? So we got to hear truth, but it also, it is a work of the Holy Spirit, which, which makes the spirit alive. And then there we become a true worshiper. Um, so an unbeliever coming in probably is not a true worshiper. They have yeah. to be made a true worshiper by the Holy Spirit. That's good. Yeah. I, I, I'm, in, I'm, I'm interested here when you put these words together. So our, think about it. Our gatherings should be done with understanding, faith, and reverence. So understanding, they, they, they require our intellect, they require our mind, yep. and yet done in, in a way that's not super spiritual out there. An unbeliever would be like, what necessarily, what, what's going on here? Like this is in an unknown tongue. This is so weird. But by faith. So there's still an element there that, that you know, we, we, we might understand a little bit, but, not, but it's still going to look foolish to the wise, right. like Paul would say. Right, right, right. But the last aspect here hmm. with reverence, 
Now I think of like hyper charismatic churches that things are not done with understanding. Mm. They're just, people are running around and hollering and dancing and screaming and it's just kind of wild, wild west, it looks like. Mm -hmm. But then I also think of churches more like pragmatic churches Mm. that there's no reverence. It's just like, it's just, it just feels like um, something the culture would put on. Mm. It feels like a rock show Mm. or it feels like, you know, a TED talk, but you don't feel a weight. Mm. Mm-hmm. There's no reverent fear of God, right? Yeah, like good. in that in that place, and I think that is a, a judgment a judgment against it. Like our our worship, if we're going into the presence of a transcendent holy God, mm. there should be our worship should be done reverently, mm-hmm. Yeah. right? Mm. In all, yeah. also the singing of psalms. With grace in the heart. Hmm. I like that line. What's the text we have for that? Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your heart to God. Okay. With thanksgiving in your heart to God. So this says singing of psalms with grace in the heart. Now there are some uh, Reformed believers that have taken this to to mean Hmm. you should only sing psalms. Um, I, I think that I, I don't really understand that position when that the text in text Colossians itself, yeah. seriously says, you know, um, says psalms, spiritual songs, and what? What is it? Hymns? Is it? Yeah, yeah, psalms, hymns, and yeah. spiritual songs. Yeah, interesting. So I think the word of God allows for more than just psalms. Now we know the psalms are divinely inspired, and so they're perfect. So we, I mean, that that is, we should sing those. Um, they're also complicated. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, they you know, are. complicated, and so when I have heard people sing the psalms, uh, not very catchy, not, <laughs> not very catchy. But I do think it's, I can understand why it, yeah. people do it. I think it is important. I've even talked to Joel about how could we sing more psalms, mm, and I know he's trying to do that, and he's kind of doing that in more modern ways. But um, our our singing is meant to be informed by the Word of God, mm-hmm. and done with grace in the heart. So not just boring, rote, reading words, mm-hmm. but there should there be, should be something in our heart that we want to sing in Thanksgiving. We want to sing yeah. to God. Yeah. So what if there's a person that like, maybe is just worshiping in their head and they don't move their body, they don't, they don't sing it, they don't praise and wor- like put their hands in the air. Yeah. Um, so what does that look like there? Well, I mean, my, uh, Rob, you can jump in here. My first thought is they're not being fully obedient to the Lord. Yeah. Uh, they, I mean, there's time, there's moments, moments of silence, moments of solitude. You can pray in your head. You can, in reverent fear, bow your head and just talk to the Lord or whatever, or be humbled. That's totally fine. But if, if you're just doing what your personality finds comfortable, mm. if you don't like to be expressive, I think the right worship of God is meant to be expressive. Yeah. Now, I, when you were asking that question, I was thinking that through a little bit in the sense that, you you know, there are some individuals who are kind of raised up in a, in a kind of a culture in their own home where music just isn't part of their life or mm-hmm. music isn't something that they really think is, you know, appropriate in the sense of singing out, maybe listening to music, but not actually expressing music. But, you know, I think naturally, if we are engaging in something wonderful and great 
it eventually will produce that kind of music. It ought to produce that kind of music. We ought to be singing. And I, and this is what made me think of is, is I, the picture in my mind is football games or soccer matches. I mean, these these Europeans, you know, when they go come to soccer matches, they are they are singing all the time. All these men, you know, who have just come from the pub, yeah, <laughs> all these yeah. manly men coming out, and they are singing songs of their particular team, which I think really, you know, kind of points to the fact that as true worshipers, God has made us worshipers, that song is just part of the natural ra- natural reality of being true worshipers. The men do sing. Oh, 100%. And, it, and, it, <laughs> and singing gets the truth in you in ways that just reading oh, or studying doesn't. Yeah. We saw that this last week with the Super Bowl. Oh, sure. All these 90s people, all, all these people, you know, seeing all these 90s rappers on uh, on the Super Bowl, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> they came out like they, you know, I, I, I knew a lot of the words, you know, yeah, I knew yeah. a lot of the lyrics, <laughs> and it brings you back to that time of yeah. your life, and it's just, it comes, it comes out of you, right? Well, I think that's why we should be singing the Word of God, because if... You know, if we ever get stuck in a situation where we can't just pull out our phone or we can't just pull out our Bible and we need the truth of God, yeah. the sung words of God are memorized. Yeah. The sung words of God are lodged somewhere in us that many times the revealed, you know, the, the scripture isn't. So you, know? you can praise and worship even though you don't have rhythm. <laughs> that's yeah, what that's we're right. saying here. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Can't carry a tune. Yeah, Praise and worship of anyways. And this is why, you know, we have loud we have loud, loud worship. We have loud <laughs> worship so you can't hear yourself necessarily. Uh, I stand in the front row so nobody else has to hear me. Uh, but the, the scriptures talks about lifting up holy hands yeah. and, and lifting our hands up unto the Lord and, and lifting up a shout unto yeah, the Lord. A shout. Yeah. And so we should be able to do that. And the scripture also talks about the fear of man and how the fear of man is a snare. Mm. And many of us, we just don't want to seem uncouth or we don't want to seem a little wild or a little enthusiastic. And so we're letting the fear of other people um, inhibit our praise of our great and glorious God. All right. Also, the due administration and worthy receiving of the sacraments instituted by Christ are all parts of the ordinary religious worship of God. We've got a text for that. Acts 2.42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. Mm. All right. So, the sacraments that Christ gave us, what are those sacraments that Christ gave us? Got baptism, and we've got the Lord's Supper. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. So that's the ordinary uh, religious worship of God. We take part in those um, as often as we have people to be baptized, which is basically about six, every six weeks at Sacred City Church. And then we take part in the Lord's Supper every single week. So somebody asked, like, um, with the Lord's Supper, um, whenever you gather, um, take the Lord's Supper. So somebody asked, like, why don't we do that at our homes for, for dinner, or yeah. maybe for MC, stuff like that? Well, we should receive our word with our, our food with Thanksgiving in yep, all those places. Sure. So we should pray before them. And, mm. But we believe that um, the table, the Lord's table, the sacraments are meant to be administered primarily through elders. Mm. And because the, the scripture talks about very specific ways in which those are to be administered. Mm-hmm. Baptism, in the name Father, Holy, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're, we're meant to affirm that these people are are believers, that they know what you know. They know understand the gospel. They know what's going on. Mm-hmm. We don't want people baptizing themselves 
like my son used to do in the in the pool when he was a little kid. He'd baptize himself, um, and then you know grow up the rest of his life. Yeah, I'm baptized. I baptized myself. You know, <laughs> who knows? So there's order to this. Our worship yeah. should be done in an orderly fashion. The elders oversee some of that order, and and with the Lord's Supper, there's aspects where he specifically tells us not to do this in an unworthy manner. Mm-hmm. And some of you have done it and you're sick and have even died because you've yeah. done it. So there's some kind of spiritual reality that's communicated there that the elders need to to guard the table. Yeah. And so how we do that, we say only baptized believers every single week. And uh, put together with church discipline, we know that if a man is cheating on his wife, we won't, and he's in unrepentant sin, we're not going to serve him communion yeah. right so that's um that's a couple of of the reasons why we don't want that going on in missional communities now under special circumstances times of war right we've got men on the battlefield different things like that that there have there are they have recognized you know you like prisoners in a, in a, in a prison camp, they can take the bread and they can pass it to each other and they can take the Lord's Lord's supper in a worthy manner because they're in some kind of Mm -hmm. special circumstance. Sure. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, but again, this is talking about the normal ordinary Mm -hmm. worship of God. And so ordinarily it should be elders or, uh, over, over, at least overseen by the elders. Yeah. Yeah. So there's some traditions that guard the table a little more I don't know, closely, aggressively, and they won't give it to anybody who isn't, I think, specifically a member of that church. So any thoughts, interaction, comment on that? Obviously, it's not what we do, but what's the reasoning behind that? Um, I'm not 100% sure why they would do that. Again, probably just to to fence the table a little bit stricter. Mm -hmm. Um, depends on what their rules are for membership, possibly maybe. But for us, we we want we think the bar is this. This is how high the bar is. Mm-hmm. Are you a believer? Have you been baptized? Yeah. Right. We don't think it's because uh, this is a, a a renewal of the covenant that we've made with Christ, mm-hmm. not a renewal of a co- the covenant that we've made with our church. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We renew our covenant with our church every year, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, we renew our covenant with Christ every single week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think I've I've been in those experiences where I've gone to some churches where I was a, a visitor. I was just visiting in that community. Mm-hmm. They would not allow me to go forward yeah. for for the Lord's Supper. Um, some actually would interview would interview you before you'd go. You know, kind of a mm-hmm. thing. But it, wow. but but the the challenge. I would agree with you that the, the challenges were not. Th- this is the Lord's Supper, yeah. and this is a covenant renewal with the Lord, mm-hmm. the body of Christ. Um, we're the body of Christ, and so you know, universally, uh, the location isn't as important in terms of a, a yeah. particular location as much as uh, you know, being in the body of Christ, yeah. actually knowing Christ, and and renewing our covenant with Him. So I. I you know, I, if I could argue, I'd argue in that direction yeah. that it's good to invite those who are part of the body of Christ, even though they may not be part of your local body. But uh, yeah, it's, it's the Lord's it supper. Stressful yeah. though, too. I mean, you would think they're like, okay, um, Rob Spiker, you know, you're, you're good. You're a member here. Just yeah. going off a checklist and just yeah. making sure everyone's. It there. would definitely you'd have to you'd have to be a smaller church. Yeah, and know everybody. Would, and typically it is. Yeah, typically but, it is. Well, he brought up a great point. It's the Lord's supper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not Sacred City Supper. Yeah. Yeah. And if the Lord has already invited him to their his table, who am I to yeah. deny them <laughs> yeah. of that table? Right. You know? Yeah. That's a little yeah, I don't like it. So that's the ordinary religious worship of God. Now there's this other other side, the 
special occasions. He says, besides religious oaths, we have a text for that. Uh, Deuteronomy 13. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. Okay, you shall swear. So what are religious oaths and vows? We have a vow. We have a, Let's do the scripture for vows too. Yeah, Isaiah 19, 21. And the Lord will make himself known to the Egyptians, and the Egyptians will know that the Lord in that day will know the Lord in that day and worship with sacrifice and offering, and they will make vows to the Lord and perform them. Hmm. And it pairs it with Ecclesiastes 5, 4, and 5, which says, When you vow a vow to God, do not delay in paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Okay. So most people don't, understand this category of the right worship of God, the making of oaths and the making of vows. This is exactly what we're doing when we do parent-child dedication. Uh, This is what we're doing when we're getting married before a a pastor, right? This is why you don't just hire your uncle to to marry you. That's why you have an elder, your elder, your pastor to marry you, because the Lord commands us to do this. This is you know, even your giving of tithes and stuff and making an oath to making a commitment to, to, to give 10% of your income, hmm. that's, that's making an oath. That's hmm. making a vow un, unto the Lord. Hmm. Dedicating yourself. So we don't, do, we don't call it child dedication because we want to draw attention that this is parents making an oath before God. And not only that, but the, the church is making an oath as well. We're, they're, they're promising to pray for that child. They're promising to help that those parents raise that child in the fear and in that admonition of the Lord. And so this is the making of a vow before God. And God is holding us accountable to those oaths and vows. So we're not just reading something. We're not just doing something cute where the whole family gets to get up on stage and take some pictures and, and the baby gets to wear a, fa- a fancy dress or fancy out- outfit. This is a special occasion mm-hmm where we are making oaths and vows to the Lord, and it's the right worship of God. And I don't think many people realize that when they go to a wedding, if it's done right, th- those those are the witnesses. They are, they are in one sense, could be called upon mm. if that if those vows are not being held true, they should be the ones who kind of call those that bride or that groom that, you know, yeah. in the future out for not fulfilling the vow that they heard with their own ears. You know, so that's, uh, huh. we, we don't t- typically think of that when we're, when we're invited to a wedding, but that is in one sense, that's what we're asking them to do. Hold me accountable to the vow that I'm making before you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Another one, solemn fastings. We've got a test for that text for that. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Okay. So the scripture requires us to fast. We're told another place, when you fast. Jesus said, you know, when you fast, Mm -hmm. fast like this. So one of the ways we fast, we're coming up right now on the season of Lent. And that's a, a special season in the life of the church where we fast, where we fast from something. Some of us give up entertainment. Some of us give up alcohol. Some of us give up certain types of food, sleep, some, some, uh, an extra hour of sleep, all these different things. Um, and so we have these seasons in the life of the church where we're called to fast. Other times it's just maybe the Lord presses upon your spirit to take a social media fast, mm-hmm. to fast from certain, certain things in your life. This is the right worship of God. So fasting should be a normal rhythm in our life mm-hmm. that we fast from things. 
and thanksgivings upon special occasions, which are in their several times and seasons to be used in a holy and religious manner. One more text. One more text. Uh, Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Mm. Okay. I, man, I wish we could get this into our heads. There is a way to worship God that is reverent and acceptable to him. And mm-hmm. that means that there are ways that we want to worship God that is absolutely unacceptable to him. Yeah. And so scripture tells us how we are to worship God. Mm-hmm. And these are the ways that we are called to worship him. So to go over it really quickly, again, it is the reading of scripture with godly fear the sound preaching and conscionable hearing of the word. Um, it's to be done with understanding, faith, and reverence. We're to sing psalms with grace in the heart. Mm-hmm. We're to take part in the sacraments instituted by Christ. And then we're, besides that, we're to take oaths and vows and solemn fastings and thanksgivings on those special occasions mm-hmm. as we um, set aside. Now, Article 6, do I have time to go through you Article 6? I do not have time we're to right go through Article 6. Um, now we're going to get through it. We're going to get through it quick. All right. right. Article six. We do have time. Yeah. Kevin, can you read article six to us? I'm going to get through it fast. You bet. Neither prayer nor any other part of religious worship is now under the gospel, either tied unto or made more acceptable by any place in which it is performed or towards which it is directed. But God is to be worshiped everywhere in spirit and truth. Pause. I'm going to interrupt you just because you read it. We can talk about it. Yep. Mm. Because Christ has done away with the old temple and he's done away with the law mm. and Christ by his spirit has made us the new temple mm. and He's he is the mediator of the better, the new covenant. There is no special place or direction mm. that we have to pray. So, if you come to church and pray, it does not make your prayers heard any more than if you're praying in your own closet. Different religions, they have to face a certain direction. They have to, you know, Muslims have to pray face towards Mecca in order in order to pray rightly. Mm-hmm. Christians don't have to do that. We're under the gospel, so we don't have to pray and we don't have to have a fancy place to pray. Yeah. All right? But God is to be worshiped everywhere. Mm-hmm. All right? Go ahead. As in private families daily, and in secret each but one by himself. So, more solemnly... Pause. <laughs> All right. So, our requirement to pray and to worship God rightly is first, in spirit and in truth, we're to worship God everywhere, in mm-hmm. spirit and in truth, private families daily, mm-hmm. we're to worship God rightly with our families, whether that looks like, um, you know, you're, everybody has their own devotions or, or it looks like family worship. We're to do that daily, in secret, each one by himself. So we're to meet with the Lord daily, ourselves, reading the scriptures, praying unto him, you know, doing these things. Now we have another aspect. So, more solemnly, in the public assemblies, which are not carelessly or willfully to be neglected or forsaken, when God, by his word or providence, calls thereunto. Okay, so more solemnly in the public assemblies, which are not carelessly or willfully to be neglected or forsaken, Mm -hmm. when God, by his word or providence, calleth thereunto. So we would naturally go, most of us would not hold these two things together. 
we would go, well, if my prayer, if I can pray anywhere, then I can worship God mm. anywhere, mm. then I don't need to go to church to do that. Mm. And the Westminster Divines are saying, no, yes, you can worship God everywhere. Yes, you can pray to God everywhere. Yes, you, if you pray through Christ, your prayers are going to be heard. But when we get, we are to gather together more solemnly in the public assembly, specifically because the word of God tells us to. Mm-hmm. The word of God tells us to come together. So we can't ignore the scriptures that tell us how important it is to gather together. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and many of us do that, and especially COVID has, has exasperated that. Mm-hmm. And many people think that, well, I, since I can worship God at home, I'll just watch the video online. You are missing out on something real when you are ga- not gathering with your people. Yeah. So uh, his word of providence call us thereunto. So does the scripture tells us where two or three are gathered in his name, he is there in the midst of us. Mm. God does something special. It's, it's interesting. I feel it probably more than most people because when I'm preaching, I can tell... Um, when the, the more people are there and the more people are engaged, the better my preaching is. I, I literally feel things kind of like pulled out of me by the people who are listening with those consciences or who are ready to receive the word of God. And, and if when I preach at a different church or a church that, you know, I don't really know them very well, they don't know me very well, it's a lot more difficult. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more difficult. Or even if you've got 300 people in one service and 100 in the next the next service just feels very different, yeah. right? It just feels different. And um, and it may, we might not feel that in the, in the seats. You might not feel that, but you definitely feel it when you're, when you're preaching. Sure. So there is something unique that happens when, the, when God's people gather together, hungry for the word of God, and the word of God is preached. Something special happens there that isn't, isn't necessarily communicated through, through the internet, through the screen. Would you agree, Rob? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's remarkable. You know, and you think about it, there is something about when people actually are verbally, you know, expressing themselves, how, how helpful that is in terms of uh, when you're preaching particularly, when you know that people are actually, they're hearing something, that they're responding to it, that God's using it in some way. It is amazing what that'll do for you. Yeah. And it's also amazing what the opposite will do. (laughs) If you ever hear someone snoring, legitimately, I hear people snoring sometimes. And it's like, that is not the conscionable hearing of the word of God, conscionable hearing of the word of God. Like, you're not going to get anything out of this service, like by osmosis somehow, you know, you're going to have a dream and it's going to get to you. We have to be awake. And we, so think about that. We have to do what's necessary. This is one of the reasons Mm. we have coffee Mm. on Sunday morning. Like we recognize you, many of us woke up early. We want to make sure we have coffee there. Uh, We want you to be awake and be ready to uh, engage with the word of God and to receive the word of God. So, um, yeah. All right. So that is the right worship of God. That's how, how we, how the scripture tells us to worship him. Um, if you've got any questions, please email us Justin Dini at sacredcitychurch.com or Rob at sacredcitychurch.com. We'd love to hear from you and uh, we are praying for you. God bless you. Talk to you soon. <laughs>